Thank you for tuning in to Black Family Table Talk, a voice for black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. Today's episode is brought to you by ABTF Travels. In 2019, Tony and I traveled to the motherland to experience the year of return. We were so moved by the experience that I decided to go back and immerse myself in the culture for 52 days in Ghana. It was the adventure of a lifetime. Now we're hosting a delegation of artists and art enthusiasts for an epic pilgrimage. Please visit blackfamilytabletalk.com on our products page for details. We hope you can join us. Now we hope you enjoy season three and this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. On this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk, Tony and I pick up our discussion about HBCUs versus PWIs. Please listen until the end. I make some really interesting comments that I hope become food for thought. Oh, grad school, what about there? Uh, same thing, same thing. I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't name you one person for my graduating class, but I can tell you Black people went to school with. Wow. And then you pledged. Yeah, and undergrad. Um, so that was a lot of my networking was through my fraternity, you know, because they. Were you a Q? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you scared to say? What's your frat? <laughs> oh, the, the, the most, the, the number one fraternity of all. Kappa Alpha Psi. So, and, and our motto was achievement. So, I were around young men who wanted to achieve. So, that was my network. Wow. You know, so that was how it worked out for me. Well, I went to, of course, Howard University again. And then I went to NYU graduate school. I had the exact same experience. I cannot name one person. Oh, I can name one person that I kept in touch with from NYU. And that was a brother that went to Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh I mean, no professors, no, no body. So as far as that goes, I mean, I don't know whether that's indicative of personality or, but I just didn't migrate toward, and it's not like I haven't had white friends because I had white, some white friends, but my same experience at, High school and and grammar school, again, but we hung out with black people and white people hung out with white people. It was, and didn't have any, in Hillside, we didn't have any fights or anything, not a lot of racial tension in school, a lot of racial tension outside of school, but not a lot of racial tension in school. But it was just, they went their way, we went our way, and we got along, we all got along, we all ate together, we we learned together. But when we got home, we went to my side of the tracks, they went to their side of the tracks, literally. So, um, so in terms of networking and diversity, um, I, you know... I have I can't pick up the telephone and call anyone that I went to NYU with and spent a lot of money to yeah, go to NYU sure to say you know can I, you refer I, me I, literally I couldn't name you one person wow I knew their name and their face when I saw them while I was attending mm-hmm. graduate school but if I was to see them today I couldn't I wouldn't recognize them. I definitely wouldn't know their name I don't know their name mm-hmm. I probably don't recognize them. Mm. 
Well, next one, you can get a better job. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and I think this is the secret to the HBCUs. We know this from not only our children, but also my own personal experience. Well, talk about your personal experience. Well, I can tell you from day one, anybody who was looking to hire black folks went to the H. Any corporation, because I was in the school of business, all the corporations, the major corporations, when they were looking to diversify, because that was what it was about in the 1980s, mm-hmm. diversification of, um, of of workforce. That's when it started. Mm-hmm. They came to HBCUs to recruit. They didn't go to the PWIs to to recruit black folks. But when they wanted black folks, they came to Howard University. As a matter of fact, we got courted so much by major corporations, it wasn't even funny. I mean, they would hold dinners for us. They would invite us out. They would hold week-long seminars and and summits, put us in top-notch hotels, and uh, feed us, give us how to survive corporate America workshops, diversity work. They would bring their best black folks in that work for their corporation because they were they were re- trying to recruit black people heavily. So my experiences opened up every single summer. I had a full time job making great money at a major corporation out on Wall Street. In, in Illinois. I got a chance to travel to Illinois and State Farm Insurance Company. Everything paid for, all expenses paid. Same thing in New York. And then the third one was upstate New York. So I had two in New York and one in Illinois for my three years. Wow. Well, I think that's a credit to HBCUs because that structure was in place. Mm -hmm. Coming from the corporate world, seeking African-American talent, Mm -hmm. and also HBCU gave them a lot of credit for preparing you for that opportunity. Without a doubt, we were nurtured. We were right. nurtured. Exactly. And, I, and I mean, like by professors taking us under their arms saying, this is the way the world works. No. And I think that's important. I just want to make a quick point. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important because when you're leaving the nest, and I want to talk more about our kids and their experience, when you're leaving the nest and you're going into, you're being thrown, in, in my, my opinion, to the wolves, especially in today's political climate. You're going to you're going to look for what's familiar. And if you're being out there and you're going to a predominantly white institution, unless, of course, you're playing sports or you're going to pledge or something like that. I think those are the antidotes or join the black student union union. Those to me are the end. And it's very controversial what I'm saying. But I'm talking about our babies, um, sending them out into a very hostile environment. But in when we send them to an HBCU, they're discovering who they are. They don't know who they are at 18. And they get four years, five years to discover who they are, to nurture and then grow. Before, because they can always go to HBC. They can always go to a PWI, a predominantly white graduate school, which is what well, our oldest daughter did. I, I think the, the key difference is... When you attend HBCU, you're surrounded by professional black professors. Yes. Um, guidance. I mean, people that look deans, like you. People that look like. So they have a level of experience to kind of shape the students that are there. That's that's the major difference. I attended a state university, and as I talked about earlier, coming from a working class environment, working class family. I now into a professional environment 
where I may be 5% of the population, maybe black, 5 to 10% may be black. So I'm not surrounded by black professionals that are pouring into me. Mm. I'm still fending for myself. At, at Montclair. At Montclair State. Wow. I'm still fending for myself. So those opportunities that you're talking about, internships and co-op opportunities like that, that was there, but I didn't, I didn't have anyone pushing me, mm. you know, go to the cooperative um, department, mm-hmm. co-op department, apply for the internship. Nobody said that to you. No one, no one instilled that in me. I had no knowledge of it. I'm still mm. learning as I go. Back to that that guidance counselor thing, the importance of guidance counselor. Exactly. When your parents don't know don't some know. kind of educational consultant exactly. or coach that can help So you. I went four and a half years to school and didn't have one internship. Wow. Any job I had was a job I got on my own. Wow. Now, like, the structure was there, mm-hmm. but I'm still in my ignorance. I didn't take advantage of it. Wow. And no one was there to tell me. Mm-hmm. Go to go here. I didn't have a black professional mm. surrounding. I was in an environment that you were in to say, hey, "Look, this is here." Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have it within you to take advantage of these things, mm-hmm. now some people were lucky enough to do it, mm-hmm. but it's still different yeah. than the experience at HBCU, yeah. Yeah. where you have everyone you walking by. Pushing you, yes, supporting definitely. you, even fellow rooting students, for you, yes, and telling you, you know, you could do it. it no, yeah, wasn't that for me? That's interesting that you say because our oldest daughter talked about the competitiveness that she's experiencing now. She's in PhD program, master's PhD program at University of Washington, and she's talking about the competitiveness that she's experiencing now that she didn't experience. With her sisterhood, her sister, Spellman sisters. And that's kind of what I think a lot of people are going through. Now, she can handle it. She's pushing through it because, of course, now she's 25 and she's got a little bit more awareness, self awareness. She's got that Spellman grooming. But I, I remember when we took her to college, the first day we took her to college. And uh, mm. we were sitting at the table. We were sitting at we were at we were attending a, a, an event, and we we're all sitting at the table. It was like a luncheon for mm-hmm. for for scholars. And she was one of the one of the freshmen. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was mm-hmm. one of the scholars, and it was a special luncheon for the college and their family. And we were sitting at the table, and one of the um, associate deans was sitting at the table with us. And she kept asking questions, and our daughter wasn't answering the questions. And I kept nudging her, and and trying to encourage her to speak. And I remember the the lady looked at me and took my hand. And then I said, she's kind of shy. And then she looked at me in the eye over her glasses and said, we specialize in shy, shyness. I, I remember I, that. I was like, I oh my gosh. I, I wanted that. to cry at that point. I remember that. I wanted to cry. And now um, she's confident. Mm-hmm. She's not like an outgoing person. I don't think she'll ever be that front and center personality, but definitely confident and holding her own and her own thoughts and opinions and able to express them when necessary. She definitely knows how to play when it comes to um, asserting herself where she needs to. And, I, and I'm really proud because they definitely groomed her. Now, the other one, um, the third daughter, uh, third child, she went to Hampton and she's just 
she well, she's a different personality. She's more outgoing, but definitely have those nurturing relationships that are lifelong. And um, and then you know they all went to a predominantly white high school, and their relationships now are the girls anyway. Are again, they're not with white people predominantly. They know them, they but they kind of fell off and they kind of migrate their their circle of friends. Are well, people of color, which is well, fascinating to me. Well, I, in this I, it's time. not fascinating to me because you see it in today's society is is the fabric of this country mm. that set up for all of us to go to our respective uh, yeah, exactly. Silos. You know, um, it, it, it started out if we even go back to when we were raising our children when we were living in New Jersey, Blue Ribbon School District. How at a certain age. Yeah. Our children stop getting play dates and start yeah. stop getting invited to parties. The birthday parties. The birthday yeah. parties. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and that happened around second, second, third grade. Right. You know, so that's the racialized country we live in that we pretty much don't have a choice unless we force it. Yeah. You know, we have to. It has to be a forced relationship. All right, so the final myth is what was told to me was the 2.5 GPA is equal to a 4.0 at HBCU. That's laughable. So (laughs) the only thing I'm going to do is name some influential people that attended HBCUs. So first, I'm going to start with, of course, my classmate, Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States. Uh, Howard University graduate, uh, majored in political science. And then there's Deshaun Amira. Uh, He went to Hampton University, majored in sociology, and he's the founder and CEO of Maven, a tech company that reshapes how uh, retail salon products are distributed. And then there's Sean Wilkinson. He went to Morehouse College and graduated in 2014, majored in computer science, and he's the CSO and founder of Storage Labs, uh, where he works to bring centralized cloud storage to the average business group. That's pretty cool. Then we have Rosalind Brewer, who went to Spelman College and graduated in 1984 in uh, with a major in chemistry, and she's the COO of Starbucks. Then we have Deborah Cole, and these are some people that you may not know. Went to Tennessee State University, graduated in 92, got an MBA in 92, and she was president and CEO of Citizens Bank, one of the largest black-owned banks still in existence. And then there's Jamarlin Martin, went to Morehouse, and 2002 graduate in political science, And he is a thought leader and pioneer in the digital media space. So, of course, we have some of the famous, more well-known ones like Janice Bryant Howroyd. She went to North Carolina A&T, graduated in 76, majored in English, and she's the founder and CEO of Act One Group. It's an employment and staffing agency. And it's a $1 billion company. And then Rodney Williams, another Howard University grad, he's a CEO and founder of Listener, which is a data company. His 
protocol and his track powers more than 100 million devices. So there, the list goes on and on. And I mean, the famous ones that you we already know about, P. Diddy, um, Felicia Rashad, Debbie Allen, Jesse Jackson, Matthew Knowles, Keenan Ivory Wayans went to Tuskegee, Kay Michelle went to Florida A&M, Ruben Studdard went to Alabama A&M, um, A&M. Uh, Erica Badu went to Grambling State, Spike Lee went to Morehouse, Roland Burris went to Howard University, and Emmanuel Lewis went to Clark Atlanta. So the list goes on and on and on. Actually, and I didn't even know this, Hope Oprah Winfrey went to Tennessee State University, and she graduated in 1973, majoring in speech and performing arts. Isn't that cool? Stephen Burrett, Hampton University, Mace, uh, Clark Atlanta. So the list goes on and on. So I just want to go ahead and debunk that myth right there that you can get a better education at a PWI than you can at HBCU. But you know, I'm kind of biased. No, I'm very biased for HBCUs because I think once you go to one, it's like a fever. You get this fever. And then, you know, if you've ever encountered, and I know you've encountered me, but if you've ever encountered anybody who's gone to an HBCU, the allegiance is this is nothing like it because it is really becomes a um, soft place to fall. And the networking is incredible. It's a, it's a networking unmatched by any other. Oh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I've, I've seen it up front and close. Um, I, with you know, me and my circles, yeah, right? you and your circles and living with you and experiencing your, your network and you know, attending homecoming, just Howard homecoming is, is like... I know, you go to my else. homecoming. You don't even go to your homecoming. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I, and the family feeling, you mm. know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's it's overwhelming. Um, and I know most at most HBCUs, it's, it's that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a very small group of friends that I keep in contact with from my clear state, um, that we support each other and have nowhere near the support that the average student that graduated from HBCU has. Yeah. I mean, the, the homecoming um, is, is, is generational. Yeah. You're, you're 10 and, and you see people there from graduated 10 years before you did. But that whole environment is, is totally different than what you would experience at a um, PWI. Yeah. But even, you know, our daughter, um, she just recently get, did a, get, got a freelance assignment. Mm-hmm. And um, again, there's a, a, a very wealthy family looking to do a architect, architectural project on their home and here in Georgia. They want. We're looking for for someone to provide architectural services, and they looked at her resume. Saw she graduated, got a master's degree in in architecture, and went to Hampton University. And they called her. And then what she does is she goes to then because it's her first project. She goes to the Hampton group page. And she gets a mentor to help her with this freelance assignment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's very strong. You know, I, I just want to say it doesn't guarantee success, but it helps your journey a lot easier to have the support you get from an HBCU. But we're biased. Yeah, we 
we are biased, but you know, I don't want our listeners to feel slighted if they didn't attend an HBCU because you can't achieve. Oh, absolutely. But we're biased because we're rooting for everything black. Yeah, we, we root for everything black. We yeah. want we want to support our black institutions. Exactly. You know, so and we want our children to feel safe. That was one of the most important things in an environment where they could be nurtured and be pushed and not have to worry about outside noise that can get in the way of your studies. Yes. You know, not that HBCUs don't have distractions and challenges as well, but overall you have a fire, you have a family environment that is support and, and it's, which is really crucial in your formative years as you're developing who you are. Yeah. To have that support. And there are statistics out there that say African Americans as a whole, percentage wise, the graduation rate is higher. Yes, at HBCU. At HBCU. Yeah. Because of the support. The other, it helps you overcome the other obstacles, which could be debt, isolation, mm. you know, all the things you feel when you're in an environment where you one of the only ones that can affect you coming back the next semester. Yeah. And the support that you have. So scholarships from UNCF, you know, all the other things that um that are out there to support students that attend HBCU. Especially if you come from a family that don't have a lot of means. As as we evolve as a group of people, some folks can write a check, some folks can't. You know, some folks qualify for student loans. Some don't qualify for student loans or Pell Grant or federal assistance. or So, you know, you have a whole gamut of things. But overall, what HBCU offer you is such an enormous advantage and value. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think you get a big bang for the dollar. I mean, look at our daughter, um, our oldest daughter, who went to Spelman. During her summers, she studied at Berkeley in California. She went to Oakland, California and studied with with some program. She went to and studied at the University of Glasgow in Scotland and studied over there. And um, what other internships did she have, internship opportunities did she have? I don't remember more, but she had a lot of One in, She had a university in Louisville. She studied. Yeah, she had an internship there. Mm-hmm. So she's had an opportunity to study at six, I think it was, she said six universities during her, because of her field is more research. So it's not really job work, it's research. But she's had an opportunity to get research during her year. And then, oh, and then MIT was also one of the ones. And then second daughter, she went to um, her internships were at the Architectural Institute in Manhattan. Uh, she was able to travel to Paris. Mm-hmm. So um, while her friends working at hmm. fast food restaurants during the summer, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just talking about the, the opportunities the that were afforded to. The, our kids who went to HBCUs. So that's where the value is. That's why we said, well, if we're, we're just going to pitch it and pay for it. And and we were able to get her through with minimum loans. So Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up.
Tony and I on Black Family Table Talk have not been ones to shy away from controversial topics. Today, we have given our take on another issue facing the Black community. I really need to end the talk with um, this statement. Just because someone is pro-everything Black doesn't mean that we're anti-anything else. My experience at Howard University was a sacred space that I will cherish as long as I live. And I really want to underscore that we have to preserve our institutions that support our mental health and well-being. If you've made a different choice, I certainly do respect that. But if you made a different choice because you thought attending an HBCU was less than or you devalued the experience, then that's another issue for another podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of HBCUs versus BWIs on Black Family Table Talk. I encourage you to join us for next week's episode as we balance the conversation with my dear friend, Dr. Andrea Wilson. She's an African-American who teaches at a PWI in Iowa, of all places. You really don't want to miss her extremely unique perspective. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you heard some principles to put into your strong Black family toolbox. Be sure to tune in next week And remember, sharing is caring. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com. Look for special discounts and ways to be part of the Black Family Table Talk community. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.